Welcome to the Gentle Counselor Podcast, episode number 21. My name is Crystal and I'm the creator of The Gentle Counselor, where I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest with us, Chef Kibby, and he is going to be talking to us today about addressing mental health through collaborative cooking. Now, Chef Kibby is a professional chef with over 25 years of experience in the industry, food entrepreneur, and a college culinary instructor. He's had his own catering business, which he had to close due to COVID in this current pandemic. Through his personal brand, Cooking with Kibby, he provides families with information and resources to help parents and kiddos get back into the kitchen, cooking and eating together, because he believes that life is better when we're cooking together. Apart from being an award-winning chef, his most important role is being a biological foster and adoptive dad who has been blessed to be able to use his talents in the kitchen as a way to teach his kids valuable life skills, grow their self-worth and build stronger developmental attachments. And that is the gift that he wants to give other families through his products and services. Welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, Chef Kibby. Well, thank you so much for having me, Crystal. I don't know if I could set it any better myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on because I love the perspective that you're bringing to mental health and your very unique parenthood through using your skill and love for cooking. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. I really do feel that it has been um, you know, a blessing that God has put into my life to not only be a professional chef with you know, over 20 years of experience in the industry, but to be a, a bio foster and adoptive dad. And especially over the last few months, I've just learned so much about myself and about the, the real importance and value in uh, the experiences that I've had and the way it has prepared me for this new world that all of us are facing. I mean, I'm sure you've been affected, Crystal, as as I have with, you know, the stay home orders and just the, the, the new normal, I mean, I even hate to say that, but you know, just the, the changes that we've all seen. And it's really solidified in my mind the importance of this perspective, like you said, that I have toward food and cooking and the benefit that families could see from it. I've come to know a lot about mental health as um, you know, there have been a few things that have happened, three things in particular that have happened in my life that have really helped to frame my perspective on mental health and, and well-being. First of all, I, I do want to say that mental health is more than just being happy. It's, it's being connected with a, with a deeper sense of reality. Uh, for me personally, it's understanding who God is and how he intended our lives to be. And when I, the, the first thing that happened in my life that really changed my perspective on mental health was uh, becoming a foster and adoptive dad. Uh, my wife and I chose to be uh, foster parents uh, many years ago. We've had, I think, 12 or 13 children come through our home over the years. Uh, we've been very blessed to be able to adopt one child and looking forward to, hopefully, fingers crossed, adopting another in the very near future. And becoming a foster and adoptive parent really taught me a lot about mental health in um, 
any child that comes into the child services and the foster care system brings some baggage with them and has some level of mental health issues. And it has changed the way my wife and I look at, at our children and the way we've had to approach parenting because um, children who lack attachment and are, are suffering through, through trauma have to be handled a little bit differently. They have to be handled a little bit more gently, if you will. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you would agree with that, Crystal. Definitely. I'm pretty much just sitting here nodding my head to everything that you're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of the, the first thing to really change my perspective on mental health was becoming a foster and adoptive parent. And on a side note, I feel like I feel like that experience has also changed the way not only I see children, but just people in general. You know, we see the, the unrest among, among different groups of people, especially in, here in the United States. I don't know how it is uh, where you are, Crystal, but when I see the unrest and I see people kind of acting out in anger and frustration, I see a little bit of that. Uh, I can have a little bit more grace towards them because of the, the background of understanding mental health and understanding trauma and that understanding that people's perspectives and the experiences they've had can wire them in such a way as to make it difficult when there's, there's massive change. You know, we, we tend to act out in ways that aren't necessarily um, the most beneficial to ourselves or to, to others. So all that to say, not to get too, you know, political in, in any of this, but, just to say that becoming a foster parent has helped me to show a lot more grace and willingness to understand others, not just kids, but also you know, grown adults as well. You're so right. And I can definitely relate to that because now when I see adults behaving in certain ways, I'm no longer coming from a place of judgment. I'm coming from a place of empathy pretty much my thought process is, oh no, who hurt you? <laughs> you know, because it's coming out in adulthood because you don't know what people have been through, but obviously something is being triggered within them and they might not even be aware of it. But you're right, it's very interesting being on the outside, but you've also have that insider experience with the children that you're being a foster carer for. And I love that you have that skill set. <laughs> Yeah, and I hope that through all of this that we begin to talk more about mental health. You know, there's there's no longer this this stigma. It's it's no longer a dirty word to talk about mental health because we we all have I want to say we all have mentals. I mean, we all have mental capacities. And just like our bodies have, have a certain health, our, our thought processes have a different level of, of health as well as we go through our lives. And so uh, to no longer talk about mental health as if it was just, you know, the, the kind of extreme cases, like, you know, the paranoid schizophrenia and extreme depression and things like that, we can be open and honest about where we are with things. And that that can only benefit us as, as individuals, as families, and as societies. So I think this is a, as much as this is a troubling time and you don't want to have things like a, a worldwide pandemic happen, but we can really see some, some beneficial things come out of it as well. And I know that I've seen that as well in my life in that 
the uh, although the pandemic has had some negative effects on me and my family, like you had mentioned, I had a, a catering business that we've had for for going on ten years, and even had a small event center where I hosted uh, cooking demonstrations and hands-on kitchen sessions for individuals, for families, for for small groups, and because of the you know, the stay home orders, people aren't allowed to, to congregate right now. And that's kind of the core of that business. So we've, we had to put that part of our business behind us. We had to you know, sell our equipment and, and close up shop on the catering business. But that has allowed me to kind of shift my attention more toward this kind of mental health piece and how I can use my unique background and perspective on, on cooking and the, and the, and the place that it can have in the life of a family, um, I think is actually a very good thing. It was that, that kind of push, that shove I needed to move me in that direction and really start serving a community that, whether they know it or not, is looking for something like this. Mm. I'm so sorry to hear about that. You've obviously been having a lot of your own uh, struggles through this as well. I know things over where you are in the U.S., are looking a little bit different to here in Australia. I feel like we're not as serious or as escalated. Um, Most of us, where I live in Queensland, it sort of feels like we're returning to this new normal. People are still going out. We did have a lockdown a little while ago, and there are some other places in Australia, like Victoria, that are going back into lockdown who are having accelerated cases of COVID again. but it's just an uncertain time for everyone because it's still there in the back of my mind. Even if I am going to the shops and I'm thinking it could happen, things could still be closed down. We just don't know what's going to happen. Everything's up in the air at the moment, but it's so impressive to me that you're even through all of that, you're still able to have this wonderful perspective. And you're right. What you were saying earlier, all of us have mental health. It doesn't mean we have to be diagnosed with something we still have mental health that we need to take care of. And so on that note, is there a current mental health concern that you have? Yes. And I would say it's kind of the the third thing that has changed in my life. There was becoming a foster family, a foster parent, becoming a foster family, an adoptive family. And then the, the pandemic and the, the stay home orders that uh, to your point, we're still experiencing in varying degrees. It can vary from, from state to state. It can even vary from County to County. You know, we can go to the neighbor neighboring County where it's a a large metropolitan area and it's more shut down. We're out here kind of out in the sticks. You know, we're a little bit, a little bit more fast and loose here. Uh, We've been very blessed to be in a community where we have not been very highly affected by the disease itself. Although um, the the secondary effects of of you know the stay home orders and things like that have affected us, but all that to say, the other thing that has happened in my life has been uh, just seeing the effects of the mental health uh, epidemic. I, I also consider the the mental health problems in our culture to be an epidemic as well, specifically with our preteens and adolescents. That's the thing that's really hit home for me uh, as as a parent myself. And even though we've lived in a very small community, we have seen the effects of, of the mental health crisis among young people. Um, I don't know about you, you know, where you are with your kids and their schooling, but being, having children 
in in the public schools we get you know regular emails from from the the superintendents and from you know different events and activities that are happening and I, I can tell you on more than one occasion over the last couple of years we've received one of these emails from the district that has you know, a subject line that says something like sad news please read and if you've ever gotten one of those emails and you know the hairs on my on my arm go up as I'm thinking about this. You know what that means. You know that that means that a young person has chosen to end their own life, and I've I've seen it firsthand. I mean, I I've experienced it firsthand in my life. I've known young people, sometimes as young as as ten or eleven, who have chosen not to live any longer. Um, I mean, these are young people that, that my children knew. Um, a, a young man that used to sit behind me at church and, and your heart just breaks for our young people and for the families that are dealing with this mental health crisis. And as a dad myself, I want the best for my children. And at the same time, I want to I want to do something. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and watch as as families and young people suffer. You know, I I want I want to have an impact. I want to make change. And I'm not I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm not a a I don't have a, a de degree in childhood development. Although, again, going back to the whole foster and adoptive uh, family scenario. I have known a lot of mental health professionals. I have taken parenting classes. I've met some amazing counselors, especially those with a background in uh, TBRI and uh, family consultants, and have learned a lot and have come to understand that you know, what I have, this, this ability to invite my children into the kitchen to cook and eat with me, is something really unique and it's something really special. And it's something that needs to be taught to other families as, as a tool that they can incorporate into their families' lives. I just wanted to take a moment to say I'm really sorry to hear about all of that horrible news that's happening around you. That must be really tough for you and also for your children. It is. It is. It's. It's. It's hard for for all of us, and we and we don't want to see that. And and I don't know what it is about me that God just put it on my heart that it wasn't for me to just sit back and feel bad for them. That 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 there is something that I can do. Not that any of my perspectives could have put, you know could have prevented anything that happened. I don't want to put myself on that high of a pedestal, but because I'm a dad and because I have reached out to mental health professionals because I, I know where I am and I know that I need help. I know that there are other families that need help and that help could look different to different families. It could be having family counseling. It, it could be involving themselves in certain activities or, or routines. The simple act of cooking. I mean, we all eat and we all eat multiple times during the day and what an amazing simple thing that you can do that can be highly effective in bringing back that important connection time that our kids really need to have with us. 
Plus, they're also learning an amazing life skill. Yes, absolutely. You know, cooking is more than just learning cooking, too. I mean, you talk about a lot of families right now that because of the, the new normal that we're all experiencing, a lot more are talking about homeschooling. And what better way to to emphasize and to reiterate and to uh, make all this learning more real than to involve it in the kitchen because cooking involves math and science, chemistry, physics, uh, biology, anatomy, you know, history, cultural awareness, and things like time management, uh, problem solving, communication skills. There's even you know learning some foreign languages in there as, as well. There's just so much benefit to it. And, and like you said, Crystal, it's, it's this attachment that I think a lot of us a lot of us parents have just kind of taken for granted that if, if we have children and we have them in our home and if we take them to school and we involve them into activities, that they're going to feel connected and that they're going to feel valued and accepted and worthy. And for some children, that's just not the case. And right underneath our noses, you know, depending on where you're standing in your house, if you're standing in your kitchen right now, you're standing amidst a place that is, is, a, is primed to be used as a way of connecting to your child, to teach them valuable life skills, and to instill in your young people, into your sons, your daughters, your biological foster and adoptive kids, that, that you have confidence in them, that you have faith in them to be able to handle things and to be able to create and to adapt and to provide hospitality to other people, which is such a sacred honor to be able to create something with your hands and with your mind that someone else is going to consume and in a really strange metaphysical sort of way, become a part of them. And that affects me as a chef. And that certainly affects my kiddos as well and helps to build into them these, these wins, these, these I can do it, moments that are so critical for healthy developmental relationships further on. You're so right. There's so many benefits that go into it. Like you said, there is the actual learning going on. There's self-esteem building, there's relationship building, there's that act of service to others and coming from a place of love. And then you all get to enjoy that experience together. Like you said, it is more than cooking. People need to realize that this simple act has really profound benefits for us and especially within a family unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, modern conveniences has made it a lot more readily available for, for us to be fed without having to go through that process. And I understand where people are coming from when they see the, the act of cooking for yourself, let alone cooking with other people, to be something that's really uncomfortable, intimidating, um, because again, you know, it is something that you and other people are going to eat and enjoy. You want it to be an enjoyable experience. You want it to be a healthful experience. You don't want to, to embarrass yourself. You don't want to make anybody sick. And so I understand there's a lot of intimidation that goes into it and that, you know, modern technology and logistics and the growth of the food service industry has made it easier 
for families to feed themselves and their kids without having to go through that process. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, there's a lot of benefit to that. And having been someone in the food service industry for many years, I appreciate that. There's a lot of job security going on there. But at the same time, I am as I as I get older and as I experience this more and more with I with my children, I realize that we have forgotten what it was that cooking you know meant to families as far as an an a an intergenerational relationship building tool and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i want to help families get back for themselves not necessarily all families but but those families that for, for which it can work for them and you know, and i, I there's a lot of people that say that they don't have time to cook, and I frankly don't agree. You know, mm-hmm. we, we all have the same amount of time every day. It's just a matter of how we prioritize that time. And for those people that – for those parents that love their children and want to find a, a way that they can connect with their kiddos that doesn't involve necessarily counseling or may go alongside of counseling – but something that they can use to, to connect with their kids in a really meaningful and long-lasting way, while at the same time, like we had mentioned before, building into them some really effective, independent life skills, I can think of no better way of achieving those ends than with a shared act of cooking and eating together. And that's, that is the emphasis behind Cooking with Kibby, uh, behind my website, my social media channels, my YouTube channel, and then the products and services that I'm hoping to develop in the, in the coming weeks and months and years to enable and empower those families that have some, have some aversion toward the kitchen or perhaps don't feel like they are equipped to, to cook for themselves, let alone teach young people how to cook for them and, and with them. And I feel like that's going to be my life's journey is finding ways to empower and equip those families who, who have bought into the idea of cooking with their kids and the benefits that they can see from it. But there might be some roadblocks in their way that are keeping them from experiencing that for themselves. I love listening to how passionate you are about this as well. It's just so intriguing to me and I'm already having so many light bulb moments. It's just such a good perspective that you have on it. That's bringing us back into the reality of why, why do fam, why did families start in the kitchen? And, and like, you're right, we're missing that part of what the whole point was of that family mealtime together. And I know we touched on it briefly before talking about mental health, but would you like to share a bit more about your own mental health journey and perhaps share what are some things that you do to benefit your mental health as well? Absolutely. Thanks for asking, Crystal. Um, like I said, we all have, we all have mental health and uh, my mental health has, has gone through ups and downs over the years, especially um, as a chef. I know this is a, another issue probably there could be a whole other <laughs> a whole other episode about mental health in the food service industry and i know that it is a subject that has been talked a lot more and more in recent years with again um, some really high profile high profile chefs who have taken their own lives at the time of of their their highest achievements and success but um, i've been very blessed to have um 
first of all, an understanding of, of, of God and having Christ in my life and then having a very strong family. I mean, my wife is just she is a rock star. I absolutely love her. She is, she is my superhero. She is an amazing mother. She's a hard worker, someone who truly cares about others and really wants me to be successful. And I, I don't make that easy for her <laughs> all the time. Um, along with that, like I had mentioned before, uh, as a foster and adoptive family, we've been in contact with some really tremendous uh, family counselors, um, specifically geared towards TBRI, which Crystal, I don't know if you have any, um, any background or knowledge in, in TBRI. Have you, have you heard of that uh, parenting technique before? No, I don't believe so. Did you want to share a bit about what that is? Absolutely. So TBRI is uh, trust-based relationship intervention, and it's something that was developed by Dr. Karen Purvis with uh, Texas Christian University in here in the states, and it is specifically a way of addressing kids from hard places. And it's coming from, again, going back to that idea that dealing with children or parenting children, loving children who come from hard places. Uh, this could be children with a traumatic history, kids from uh, foster and adoption, or just any, any other child that are showing experiences of, of trauma and mental health, is that we have to come not from a perspective of discipline, but from a place of trust and building relationships and building attachment. It, it, is a, it is a perspective of attachment parenting that when, when we create that trust-based relationship, then the, the rest of the pieces will begin to fall into place. It's, it's hard to, to teach someone who's not in a mental place where they are teachable. And what Karen Purvis and, and, the, and TBRI, the Empowered to Connect team, they have a great podcast as well. And in fact, Karen Purvis, who, who passed away just within the last year or two, um, posthumously with another uh, mental health professional, just released a new book. We actually just got it in the mail maybe 48 hours ago. Uh, it's called The Connected Parent. And I'm so stoked to read it because the connected child was such a game changer for, for my family. And I recommend anybody uh, ch checking out the, the, the products, the, um, the, the literature and the information from, from Karen Purvis, either the connected child or the connected parent, because I think we could all benefit from that, whether our kids have a traumatic history or not. It just helps us to understand how, how addressing relationships um, differently can have such a profound effect on on develop, uh, on on physical mental social and emotional development it, it was a huge game changer for us that sounds very interesting i'm definitely going to be checking out thank you for sharing those recommendations i love when i get to talk with other parents because i always get something else to add to my like reading list or an extra thing to put in my toolkit. And I'm all about attachment theory. I definitely follow an attachment or gentle style of parenting. And I do that as well in my professional work. So I love that you're aligning as well, so well with my own morals and values here. And I know that people listening as well, follow the same 
parenting style. We are coming to the end of the podcast episode now. Is there any last bit of advice that you can offer those listening? Um, maybe some tips relevant to mental health and well-being? Absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, coming from this perspective that I have, I think building building opportunities to relate to our kids is so important. And I'll be honest, it doesn't have to be cooking. I mean, I've talked to a lot of families that say that the best time to to have conversations with their kiddos has been just taking them for a drive somewhere. It's it's those opportunities to have conversations with our young people that are non-confrontational, whether it be taking them for a drive or going for a jog. Um, kids need to have opportunities to open up to us if we want to have a strong attachment with them. Now, obviously, I'm a big proponent of the shared act of cooking and eating with our kids. And a lot of you who are listening to this right now may find that a bit intimidated, but I want you to say it doesn't have to be some you know, food network worthy experience. It doesn't have to be something that you're necessarily going to even post onto Instagram. That's, that's not the important part. The important part is, is the relationship and the experience with them. You know, I have some of my kids, when I invite them into the kitchen, they're helping crack eggs and, you know, scrub vegetables and, and even do a little bit of chopping here and there. It doesn't have to be that involved. It could be, I have one kiddo that she will, you're going to find this hilarious, Crystal. She will ask for the scraps of my vegetables while I'm chopping at my cutting board so that she can chop them up and pretend like she's being a chef. That's such there's a nothing, good idea. <laughs> there's nothing productive about what she's doing right there from a culinary standpoint. She is not contributing anything to the meal. I mean, the chickens are going to love it because after she chops up these vegetables into these little pieces, they're, they're going to go out to the chicken coop and they're going to love them. So We do the same food. thing. We give our little scraps to the dogs and the kids <laughs> think it's the best idea ever. But I like what you're saying, the simplicity. My daughter, their kids get so excited. They get angry at me if I dare to make pancakes without them because they want to be mm. in there cracking the eggs, mixing the bowl. And I learned very early on to let go of worrying about the little bit of mess of flour getting somewhere because it really doesn't matter. Like mess can be cleaned up, but these experiences are worth so much more than worrying about things like that. Yeah. And if the pancakes turn out a little bit different or interesting or, or even un unedible, it's okay. It's one meal. It's one pancake. And then you're going to have that experience. <laughs> you're going to have that experience for the rest of your life. And mm. so parents out there don't have to feel intimidated. You know, what's really, one of the things that's been really eye-opening for me is that even if one of my child children, even if they just crack the eggs, they take ownership of the entire meal. Like I helped, I helped make this. And so it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to hand a chef's knife to one of your children in order to feel, in order to make them feel empowered and to give them that life-changing experience, that attachment building experience. But if your children are getting to a point where you feel like they're ready for something else and you're, you don't feel like you have what it takes to give them that next step, obviously, then there are things like, you know, cooking classes and, and nowadays more online learning, which is what I'm hoping to do with cooking with Kibby. 
uh, to be able to create online courses and an online community of families just like ours that have bought into this idea of cooking and eating together and want to be empowered and equipped and to benefit from my decades of experience as a professional chef and as a dad who are teaching my kids how to cook. And I want to give them that same experience. And so I'd love for them, I'd love for your the, the families, the parents in your audience to, to get connected with me, whether it's be through my website, cookingwithkibby.com. They can sign up for my email list there. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, sorry, no Snapchat. I, I can only handle so many social media accounts <laughs> at one time. And then, of course, there's the Cooking with Kibby podcast, which is where I share you know, information and stories like these about myself and about my upbringing. And in the near future, I'm going to be sharing more conversations with other people, with other parents who have similar struggle, struggles to, to what um, your listeners may be facing so that I can, again, continue to have them benefit from my experience so that we can, we can get this home cooking uh, revolution started. That all sounds so amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us, Chef Kibby. I'm so looking forward to going and checking you out everywhere because I will definitely be following along. This is something that all parents need. Thank you so much for coming and being a guest on the Gender Counselor podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Crystal. It was a real pleasure.